All right, folks, as we draw near to another critical election, it's not only about casting your vote, it's about elevating your voice, making your voice be heard. AMAC is more than just a senior discount organization. They unite like-minded patriots like you and I, committed to preserving our cherished values and actively opposing the leftist agenda that's sweeping across America. Just look at their recent victories. AMAC members helped to push forward an investigation into practices that inflate drug prices. They successfully defeated ranked choice voting in order to protect traditional voting methods, and they've also helped block a federal takeover of elections. As AMAC's membership grows, Washington is listening. Every new member strengthens this movement. If you love America, visit AMAC, A-M-A-C dot U-S slash Just News to become a four-year member for just $30. That's a great discount. AMAC is not only better for America, it's better for you. Membership gives you access to the AMAC magazine, free Social Security and Medicare guidance, money-saving discounts, trusted news, sweepstakes, and so much more. It's a community, not a service. Take advantage of our election year sale, four years for just $30 at AMAC. By joining over 2 million Americans, they can't ignore your voice in Washington anymore. Join now at AMAC, A-M-A-C dot U-S slash Just News. That's A-M-A-C dot U-S forward slash Just News. Hello, America, and happy Sunday. We got an incredible show for you, and we're going to dive right in because you're busy on this holiday weekend heading into the Christmas Hanukkah season, and we don't want you to miss a moment. But we've got an all-star cast for you back to back to back all day long today, starting with the governor of South Dakota, Christy Nome. She is on the forefront of using her state executive powers to fight China. She's going to tell us what the latest is, starting with farmland in China's obsessive effort to buy farmland all across America. She says they're trying to control America's food supply. We're going to get the latest skinny on that right out at the top of the show today. Then we've got other great guests all throughout there. The former Homeland Security Secretary, Chad Wolf, going to give us an update on the border, particularly all of those terrorists who've been crossing across the border. A lot of heartburn about what's going on there. He's going to bring us up to speed on that, why the numbers at the border matter so much, why people are so concerned. Ken Paxton, the Attorney General from Texas here to give us an update on several litigations going on from insulin all the way up to the border, where Ken Paxton has been one of the leading voices throughout that. Claudia Tenney, Congresswoman from New York, well, she's got a lot going on, including trying to put new focus in Congress on the family business owner, the small business owner who powers Main Street America, a brand new caucus called the Family Business Caucus. Claudia Tenney, Congresswoman from New York, going to tell us why that's important, what it will be doing in the weeks ahead to help small business weather the incredible difficult time we're in economically. Inflation, stagflation, high interest rates, so many things going on. You'll hear a little bit about the effect of interest rates also from Governor Nome on farmers. That's something we don't think of, but farmers often borrow money to just get their seed and fertilizer and then pay it back when their crops are paid. It's a lot more expensive to do that heading into 2023. So a great show, back to back to back, a lot of great guests. You don't want to go anywhere. Stay tuned. We'll be right back after these commercial messages. Hey, folks, if you're a homeowner and you're like me, you want to protect your home, right? But when's the last time you checked on the title to your home? If you never have, listen to this. A new report on homeowners shows we all now have $16 trillion in equity. That's an all-time high in America. That's why you need protection from a scam the FBI calls house stealing. 
That's when the equity in all of our homes is the target, sadly, of scammers. If nobody's watching the title to your home, these scammers can transfer your title to their name, take out loans, and your equity could be gone. Poof, gone. You have to protect your equity from this despicable crime right now with triple lock protection from my good friends at HomeTitleLock.com. The first step is to check on your home's title to see if it's still in your name. Sign up with your address at HomeTitleLock.com and be sure to use the promo code JUSTNEWS. They're going to send you a complete title scan of your home's title in your first 30 days of triple lock home title protection. That's legendary protection, by the way. It's free. HomeTitleLock.com. Use the promo code JUSTNEWS. One more time. Go to HomeTitleLock.com today and protect your most important asset, the equity in your home. Folks, if you owe back taxes, fair warning, you're not going to like this. The IRS is mailing millions of pay-up letters. Millions, I say. Then it's up to the 20,000 new IRS enforcement agents to find you. Why the IRS targets you and not millionaires? Well, because millionaires have tax lawyers. You don't, you'll pay up. Plus interest and penalties. You need Tax Network USA, and you need them now. Tax Network USA has brilliant war room strategies to solve your IRS problems quickly and in your favor. Like a preferred direct line to the IRS, they know which agents to deal with and who to avoid. It's not all bad news for you because Tax Network USA learned of a special limited time IRS offer. They're willing to waive $1 billion in penalties if you qualify. So schedule your free confidential consultation to see if you qualify for this limited time IRS penalty canceling offer. To do so, call 1-800-245-6000. That's 1-800-245-6000. Or visit tnusa.com slash justnews. That's tnusa.com slash justnews. Earlier this week, we kicked off our show talking about TikTok and how one Republican governor issued an executive order blocking TikTok from being downloaded on state devices. She is the author of the book, Not My First Rodeo, Lessons from the Heartland, and the governor of the great state of South Dakota, Christy Noem. Governor, thank you so much for being here with us again. Well, thank you for inviting me. It's wonderful to be with you. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. Yes, indeed. Um, I wanted to start off with this topic of, of TikTok. There is now bipartisan concern over TikTok, but a lot of people have been voicing concerns about it for, for a while. Was there was there any final straw for you that prompted you to make this, uh, to give this order, or was it just kind of a the drip, drip, drip of concerns? Well, we're learning more and more every day about the real national security threat that the TikTok application is to the United States of America and to our citizens. So I issued this executive order um, banning the accessing and downloading of this app on state devices, computers. It's banned and blocked off of our networks and our servers. And if any employee does access it or download it on a state-owned device, it's a criminal offense in the state of South Dakota. Um, you know, I take it very seriously, my duty to protect the citizens of this great state. And the more and more we learn about how the Chinese government and the CCP is using the information they're gathering off of TikTok to threaten the United States of America, to learn more about our habits, uh, what we search, and how they are manipulating the algorithms uh, to collect data, possibly even uh, financial information, passwords, health information, personal information, not just what kind of videos people like to look at. Uh, we know that their agenda is to use it against us and that they are an enemy. They hate us as the United States of America. And it's our job to take applications like this and uh, treat them exactly 
how we should, and that is not allowing them to be used detrimentally to hurt people who live in this country. Yeah, such an important debate. And when we talk to state legislators, other governors, people say South Dakota is leading on a lot of the national issues that affect state rights. China's right there. You have some interesting approaches to keeping China from buying up too much farmland in your state. Talk a little bit about that. And are you moving towards some sort of a lease program? Well, I think that it's incredibly important that we as governors do our job. Uh, you recognize what authority we have and what authority we do not have, and that we take action. We don't just stand up and talk about what needs to be fixed or hold press conferences, that we actually do something about it. Um, I've been very busy and, and worked for 20 years on food policy in this country. You know, South Dakota is a very agriculture state. We grow the world's food. Um, and I've seen how China has come in and bought up our manufacturing facilities, our processing facilities. They've also, over the years, bought our fertilizer, our chemical companies. Their goal is to control our food supply so they can control the United States of America. Now, in recent years, we've become much more aware of how they're buying up land. South Dakota already has a state law on the books that limits uh, what a foreign entity can purchase for land in the, in the state. But I'm reexamining that and looking to bring legislation that will not only address purchasing of land, but also make sure that those who hate us and other foreign entities can't have long-term leases, that they can't come in and lock up land for an agenda that isn't good for these people that live here in South Dakota, but also our country. I think it's important that we recognize that not only does China manipulate their currency, uh, steal our intellectual property, that they are building up their military, that they're purchasing our food supply chains, that they also will do this by purchasing land around us next to military bases and also food supply, um, you know, land that is used for that purpose um, to harm us and that we take action to make sure that doesn't happen. Yeah, so important. Yeah, Americans should be eating American-grown food. I know you've been very mm -hmm. vocal about uh, the, you know, the, the potential danger of, of food from other countries uh, and us consuming it. I wanted to ask you, though, with respect to, to your farmland in South Dakota, um, we've got potential diesel shortages and gas price mm -hmm. hikes going into winter. How, how can your state help drive down those costs, and, and how detrimentally is your state going to be affected if we do see those shortages? Well, you know, Joe Biden's just been a, a disaster when it comes to policies uh, that are impacting uh, people who live in this country every single day. So when it comes to growing our food and our energy prices, um, you know, he has made the wrong decision at every turn. So for us in our state, you know, we grow food. It's also a long ways to drive anywhere, and it's pretty cold in January. So we're heavily dependent on energy prices and supplies, and uh, we have a dangerously low supply of diesel fuel in this country right now. Uh, I've been talking to people about what happens when when that is a situation that we're dealing with because farmers that go out and plant crops, harvest crops, need to deliver it to the markets so that it can be processed and put in grocery stores. You know, farmers have to buy that fuel in order to run their tractors, um, to dry down their grain, to store it and to move it. Uh, that all gets passed on to the consumers. When you see higher prices at the grocery store, it's because farmers and ranchers don't have another option. And one thing that people should remember as well when it comes to interest rates, farmers go to a bank and they borrow the money that they need to put the crops in the ground. So they literally borrow money to buy a tractor, borrow money to buy land, then borrow money to get an operating note to purchase the seed and fertilizer they need, and then they bury it in the dirt and they hope something grows. It's an incredibly risky profession that they partake in. Uh, to make sure that we all can eat and that we have a safe and affordable food supply. And these interest rates also impact them dramatically. 
Uh, we need to make sure we keep farmers and ranchers in the United States of America, that they continue to be diversified, that there's a lot of them. So we have competition in the market and that we continue to rely on ourselves for that and for our energy prices um, and supply chains going forward as well. South Dakota doesn't have a lot of oil or coal like Wyoming and North Dakota and other states around us. We have Mount Rushmore, which we are very thankful for. Uh, we believe that people look to us for a lot of inspiration for freedom and liberty, um, but we are heavily dependent on energy prices and we're grateful for our neighbors who supply a lot of it. We wish our president was grateful uh, for them because he has been punishing oil and gas, which we need to survive uh, ever since he's been in the White House and it's hurting this country. Yeah, I can't even imagine what it's like there. I want to ask a little bit about education innovation. The governors are really leading the way. You got Governor Stitt with portable tax dollars now beginning to be implemented. You've done some really extraordinary things, including putting a focus back on tech and trade schools. Bring us up to speed on some of the innovation going on in your state. Well, I'm super proud of the fact that we are preparing students for life. We're not just preparing them for a four-year degree that we're focusing on what kind of careers do they want to have and then facilitating that so they can stay right here in South Dakota and pursue their dreams. So we put technical and skills and training in our high schools. There's a lot of kids who graduate in South Dakota from high school the same day they graduate with another degree in a skill or expertise of architecture, engineering, uh, welding, uh, plumbing, electricity, electricians. Uh, they can get that kind of training in high school too and end up with a degree that allows them to immediately get to work and own their own business or, or earn a wage of 30 to 40 to $50 an hour, that's pretty remarkable uh, that we are focusing not just on getting them a great education where they learn their civics and history and what to love about America, but they also have the skills that they need to get right to work and provide for their family and pursue their dreams. Governor, before we go, I wanted to zoom out and ask you about national party politics. It's looking like uh, RNC Chairwoman Ronna McDaniel might have a challenger uh, under her tenure. GOP has had a little bit of a rough go of it, especially during midterms when it was projected that there would be a red tsunami, and that obviously did not transpire. Is it time for new party leadership? Well, I think we got to ask ourselves why we're not winning. You know, I, we had a, a rough election cycle, uh, the previous one to this, where we lost the Senate, the House, and the White House, and now we underperformed in this election cycle. We need to look at what we're doing and why we're not winning. And frankly, I'm sick of, of having those types of situations. You know, uh, I, th I would say that in my race here in South Dakota, we were one of the few areas where Republicans and conservatives overperformed. And it's because I didn't just talk about what a train wreck Joe Biden is, I also cast a vision for our state and talked about what we're doing well and how it's helping people be successful. Republicans need to do that at the national level, and we have to look at our party leadership and hold them accountable to winning and to making sure they're providing us the guidance that we need. It'll be interesting to see what happens in Georgia. I think that's a key indicator on if we're going the right direction and how much our party is really putting out on the line to make sure that we can win these types of races that are so important. All right, folks, we're going to take a quick commercial break. We'll be right back after these messages. You know what, folks? Stress may be why you can't lose weight. If you've got moderate to high stress like I do, a doctor-formulated weight loss supplement called Lean could be your solution. Chronic stress wreaks havoc on blood sugar, which can cause your body to store excess fat. Stress can also slow your metabolism, which fuels weight gain. And you know all about stress eating and sugar cravings, right? Now the good news. The studied ingredients in Lean have been shown to help maintain healthy blood sugar levels, help optimize metabolism, and keep your appetite under control. 
Now, if your life is a bit stressful like mine and you want to lose weight, add lean to your healthy diet and exercise lifestyle. Now, get 15% off and free shipping at TakeLean.com. That's TakeLean.com and enter the promo code JUSTNEWS15. That's the promo code JUSTNEWS15 at TakeLean.com. One more time, TakeLean.com. Statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease, and it's not a substitute or alternative for care from a healthcare provider. That's not just the sound of that first sip of Morning Joe. It's the sound of someone shopping for a car on Carvana from the comfort of home. That's a good blend. It's time to take it easy, like answering some easy questions to get pre-qualified for a car in minutes. Talk about starting the morning right. Just like customizing your terms so your car fits your budget. Mm, mm, mm. Visit Carvana.com or download the app to experience car shopping the way it should be. Convenient. Comfortable. Ah. Joining us now is the former acting secretary of the Department of Homeland Security and the current executive director of the America First Policy Institute, Chad Wolf, Mr. Secretary. It's great to have you back on with us again. Well, thanks for having me. I want to start off with a disturbing number, 98 encounters with individuals on the terror watch list in fiscal year 2022. That is, uh, I believe, over six times what it was in 2021. In 2021, it was 15. In 2020, it was three. And in 2019, it was zero. There is clearly a message being broadcast to the world. What is it? Well, I appreciate you bringing that up. This is not a stat that uh, the main street media and others will, will actually talk about. And that is that national security threat coming across that border every single day. And the numbers, the 98 that you just talked about, are just a very small percentage of that. And these are known or suspected terrorists that we actually encountered, that we caught along that border. And that's not to mention the, the hundreds of thousands of other folks that get away every single day and every single month along that border. So I think the, the message is clear that, you know, known or suspected terrorists around the world, bad individuals who want to come into this country know what the rest of the world knows, and that is, your, your greatest likelihood of success is to come across that southern border now under this administration than it has ever been uh, in the history of our country because the border continues to be wide open. And so I think that is a reflection of the numbers that you just cited. Yeah. And there's another new report out that we had at Justin News over the weekend. Large numbers of uh, criminal juveniles coming in using the DACA program to get into the United States, bringing their criminal element and their background and their criminal connections into the country. Uh, now there's a push maybe to get a lot of the DACA children uh, pushed out into uh, citizenship. There's a lot of uh, uh, amnesty being discussed. Your, your thoughts on how DACA has been abused over the years? Well, I think DACA is very much similar to a lot of other uh, sort of sort of assertions that the left makes. Right. They, they always talk about children and women ac coming across that border, seeking a better life. And yes, there are some there that do that. But there are some very bad individuals that come across. We just talked about 98 of those individuals. Right. But there are criminals. There's MS-13 members and there's other public safety threats that come across their border a lot every single day. But they don't want to talk about that. And so the same goes for the DACA population. There are some individuals in that DACA population that are fine, that are not public safety threats. But there are some bad individuals in that DACA population as well. But the left won't doesn't want to talk about that. They don't actually want to uh, actually affirm that in any way. And so I think the report is interesting. I think what's also interesting is this is a made up program, right, under President Obama, uh, the DACA population. And so um, and how it was administered. And so USCIS has a lot of latitude 
on who they let into the program and who they don't, who they kick out and who they don't. And so at the end of the day, it's up to career bureaucrats to adjudicate and decide if folks need to fall out of the DACA program because of certain criminal convictions, apprehensions, uh, misdemeanors and whatever it might be. And I think what we've seen in that report shows you is that perhaps they are... uh, they're a little lenient on that, that there are individuals that probably shouldn't stay in that program that USCIS and others are giving them a pass on. And so I think that's problematic. I think um, the DACA population as a whole uh, is something that we need to address. It's it's not what you need to address. It's not kind of what we need to keep our eye on right now in the midst of a historic border crisis. We don't need to be talking about amnesty for any population that is here, illegal population here, whether it's DACA or whether it's another group. That's exactly the wrong thing to do in the midst of a historic border crisis. You're just going to encourage more and more of that illegal behavior. So I think what, you know, Democrats need to do in Congress is actually try to focus on how to solve this problem. It has nothing to do with the individuals that are already here. And that's the, you know, the DACA population. It has to do with the illegal activity and the pull factors uh, that this administration continues to ignore. Well, and they use that euphemistic term dreamers that put a nice little patina on the whole issue. But I think that a lot of people have woken up to what it truly is. And there are a lot of measures that uh, people feel that Republicans in the House at least can accomplish in the next Congress, one of which, of course, probably the most effective of which is ending catch and release, but also making sure that border enforcement has the resources that they need. What do you hope to see from the 118th Congress when they take place? or take office? Well, I think what we need to be careful about when we talk about resources is just providing DHS more and more funding and more and more money to continue to make bad decisions, right? I think what they've shown and what they've demonstrated time and time again is they have no um, desire to change course. They're going to continue to go down this road of keeping the border open and continue to just to facilitate individuals coming into this country. And so what I would caution Republicans against is actually giving them more money to do that. Uh, We should not facilitate their bad judgment and their bad decision making with more and more resources. Instead, what I hope folks do in the House is actually provide some accountability, some oversight, ask those hard questions of the secretary and other senior leaders of the department and some very simple questions, which why? Why have you taken a very secure border that you inherited and turned it into the worst border crisis that this country has ever seen? You're not incompetent. You obviously did that for a reason. So here's your platform. Explain it to the American people why you would want to do that. Um, I don't think they have a good answer for that. It's not an answer they, they want to say out loud. But I think you continue to press them and you shine a light where it hasn't really been shown for two years because they haven't had those oversight hearings. And there's a lot more that House Republicans can do as they take the majority. So I'm, I'm eager to see kind of the direction they go. There's some legislation that they can pass. I don't have high hopes for it, unfortunately, that it's going to pass in the Senate. But I think those are interesting votes to take in the Senate as well. Uh, a big moment coming just a few weeks from now, Title 42 being eviscerated, being gone. How much more pressure is that going to put on the great men and women of the CBP? Well, it's, it's going to be a lot of pressure, unfortunately. And I, I feel for our agents and officers that are down on that border that have been in this border crisis now for 22, 23 different months. They see no end in sight. And just when you think it can't get any worse, this this administration continues to hit a rock bottom every single month. And now they have they're staring Title 42 ending in the face. It's really the only thing that's kept that border somewhat uh, under control, although I I use that very loosely. As bad as it is now, it's going to get worse once Title 42 
uh, goes away because they've been able to remove about 30 to upwards to 40% of folks using that authority. And if they don't have that authority any longer, we know they're not removing them on their own because we know they've told ICE not to remove certain classes of individuals. They have eliminated the Remain in Mexico program. They have eliminated the asylum cooperative agreements. They're not building any border wall system. There's all these things that they tore down on day one and week one of this administration are gonna come back and bite them now that they don't have Title 42. And so they have no plan in place. Uh, they're not gonna do anything differently on that border. And so you're gonna see more and more individuals just when you don't think that's possible. You're going to see more and more individuals coming across that border. And unfortunately, you're going to see more and more individuals released into the American communities. And we're at an all time high as it is, as it stands today. You're going to see more and more stress on, on, a, on communities across this country. Yeah, they're just chipping away at every tool our uh, border law enforcement have. And it's it's distressing to see. I want to switch gears, though, before we let you go. I wanted to ask you about this uh, censorship and this orchestrated partnership between the federal government and social media platforms. We saw it uh, allegedly happening with COVID, but possibly other uh, other issues as well. Elon Musk has said on Twitter that he's going to release documents pertaining to any type of censorship. How shocked were you that there what seems to be this coordinated relationship between the federal government and social media? So I've been aware of the work, obviously, that DHS did with some of these social media companies. Now, the focus was when I was at the department, I think should continue to be, is making sure that we are uh, protecting federal networks, cyber networks and others from foreign disinformation, foreign uh, influence and um, into our elections and, and all the associated issues dealing with that. I think what you've seen from the Biden administration though, is they've taken that a step further. I would say they've overstepped uh, the bounds there and they started focusing yeah. on domestic speech here. Uh, which I think is very, very concerning. And, and so when you do that, you're picking winners and losers and you're trying to mon moderate content and you're saying what is truthful and what is not. All right, folks, we're going to take a quick commercial break. We'll be right back after these messages. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. When it comes to fighting big government, the state of Texas is on the forefront, and that's because its Attorney General, Ken Paxton, continues to win major lawsuits asserting federalism, states' rights, over the big central government in Washington that Joe Biden has built. And that has continued. Yesterday, his team was in the Supreme Court arguing yet another important case, and we're lucky to have Attorney General Paxton with us today. General Paxton, good to have you back. Hey, great to be back. Thanks for having me back. Big day yesterday, big arguments. Tell us how you think it went and where do you think this case ends up? Well, yeah, as you well know, you never know with Supreme Court which, which way they're going to go. But it, it seemed like it went really well. 
we had we had this lawsuit going for quite a while ever since the Biden administration came in. And the main point here was trying to get the federal government, trying to get the Biden administration to enforce immigration law, which we've been doing, obviously, with case after case. This one is pretty egregious, where they are seeking to release uh, criminals into our country. And it, it creates quite an incentive for other countries to send their criminals to our borders. Joe Biden invites them to come. He protects them while they're here. And he tries to make sure that federal law is abrogated and pushed aside. And we protect those uh, criminals in our, in our inside of our borders, even though they're here illegally and have committed crimes. Yeah. Well, we've we've tried to keep our finger on the pulse of what's happening on Monday. We had uh, Sheriff Mark Lamb on and I was discussing with him the issue of Title 42 ending. It's been used over two million times, I think, to reject illegal immigrants at the border. I know for the state of Texas, Title 42 has been very uh, important to protecting your state. What what does the future look like for Texas without Title 42? It looks pretty bleak. I mean, we already are experiencing over 5,000 a day. That's at least under the Biden administration. The numbers have, have increased over 300 percent since when Trump came into office. It's overwhelming Border Patrol. It overwhelms our, our, our border communities. It's overwhelming our state. And you can see even when they're sent to sanctuary cities by just a few hundred, it overwhelms large cities like Chicago, New York, Philadelphia, Washington, D.C. That They're struggling to handle a few hundred or a few thousand we're dealing with five over 5,000 a day, and now those numbers look like they're going to go up a, a lot. And so it's a problem. It's a huge problem when the Biden administration does everything possible to invite as many people to come and, and literally eliminate federal law as, as has been passed by Congress to deal with this issue. Yeah, you have uh, taken many novel approaches in Texas trying to fight this. Governor Abbott earlier this year signed an executive order citing the invasion clause of the constitutions of both Texas and United States. He now says he's invoked that power. Do Are all the full powers of Texas now on display at the border? Do you have any other avenues that you can use in your own right to try to fight the scourge? Look, I think we would love to have another case. I'd love to see the legislature somewhere along the way uh, go in, in a direction away from the U.S. v. Arizona case so that we have another shot at that. Because I think the U.S. Supreme Court got that wrong when it was Justice Kennedy writing the decision. Because there's no way that we as states should be able to sit, have to sit on the sidelines with the federal government passing laws, but then saying we're not enforcing any of them. And so because we have laws that we're not enforcing, you states... Can't, you can't have your own laws and you can't enforce your own laws. So you have to suffer the consequences of all the bad things that are going to happen because we're not enforcing our laws. That cannot be right. And I feel like the Supreme Court needs to revisit that and tell us why that's the right answer. Yeah, I think the American people always lose when it comes to an open border. But the people of Texas win when they have Attorney General Ken Paxton at the helm. I wanted to ask you about this uh, $1.5 million settlement over a data breach from T-Mobile and Experian. Congratulations. Can you tell our audience what that's all about? Yeah, thank you very much. It's pretty important that these companies have the right procedures and policies in place to protect against our personal data being out on the, you know, the web, because once it's out there, you know, the genie's out of the bottle. And so there are consequences to these companies in our state and in most states for not having the proper security procedures to protect what is very important to our people, which is our own personal health information, financial information, personal information that we can't get back. 
Yeah, such an important, such an important idea. Uh, sir, you have been working on uh, a, an investigation into inflated insulin prices, looking at the drug makers. Tell us what's going on there and how that could really affect consumers in your state. Well, look, we're, insulin prices are astronomically high and there's really no reason for it. These things, this insulin has been around, you know, a long time and, and we want to know why prices are so high. Um, we feel like there's uh, monopolistic and anti-competitive behavior going on, and we want to make sure that, that consumers are being treated fairly, and people especially, people who are, are dependent on this, they need it. They have no choice. They have to pay whatever price these companies offer up. And I'm not saying that, that we should have a free market and that people shouldn't be able, or companies shouldn't be able to charge a, a fair price, but they shouldn't be able to uh, practice anti-competitive activities and hold these people hostage with their very lives. Yeah. Yeah, I remember when Martin Shkreli was demonized and dubbed the pharma bro. It seems like there are a lot more pharma bros in the pharmaceutical industry than than just Martin Shkreli. I wanted to switch gears, though, to uh, social media censorship. It seems like it's kind of a new day under Elon Musk as far as free speech. He has taken public polls on Twitter and used the results of that to determine whether he unbans people and just opens up the platform to free speech. I, I, I know you are supportive of that. You've had litigation against Twitter in the past. What do you see uh, What do you see happening in the social media landscape as far as censorship going forward? Well, look, you know, the, the argument that a lot of these companies make is they're private companies. The problem we have is that, they, that many of them are claiming that uh, Section 230 status, where they're just, they're not publishers, they're just a platform. They're just an open platform for anybody to, to say what they want. If, if that's not true, which it's not, then they shouldn't be protected under federal law. Um, so I think we have a lot to, to, to pursue here. We've got cases against Google. We've got cases against Facebook. We've got investigation and litigation against Twitter. And I, I, as you've seen over the last couple of months, we've seen reports of the federal government working with some of these tech companies. So even their argument that we're private companies now, you have this really um, insidious relationship between the federal government coming in the back door with these companies, quietly having them censor speech that they disagree with, whether it's on COVID or whether it's on other social issues, that's the very thing our founders were worried about and why we have the First Amendment. And if companies uh, can sort of be a, a, a place for the government to use their power behind the scenes, we have to stop it or we're going to lose those free speech rights that our founders so valued. All right, folks, we're going to take a quick commercial break. We'll be right back after these messages. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. 
somebody who's been to the border many times, who is a fervent defender of our Customs and Border Patrol agents, and who's determined to get this situation at the border under control. Congresswoman Claudia Tenney from the great state of New York. Congresswoman, great to have you on the show. Great to be on. Great to see you, too. Uh, between the president and the vice president, they can't even come up with one single trip to the border during their tenure. Uh, do you think Americans are tiring of this show? You know, I think people really are concerned about the, the, the vast numbers of people coming across the border and the impact it has on taxpayers on, on not just, you know, Title 42, which is actually a, a health statute uh, that allows uh, uh, the department to send people back for health related reasons because they could pose a health risk to themselves, to others, to Americans, to citizens. Uh, but that's expiring. Title 42 is expiring in just a, few, a week or so, two weeks here. And that's going to be a huge problem. It was a great tool that could be used to, get, to maintain public health. And as we know, I went to the border. Guess what's at the border? It's not just COVID-19. It's not just illegal immigrants. We don't know how many gotaways. They also have a number of eradicated diseases like measles, mumps, whooping cough, and all those diseases we had eradicated are coming across the border. People are coming from over 100 different nations around the world because they know our border is open and it's a free pass to go through there. And People are getting tired of it, and they're going to start really feeling the heat, not to mention the inflation, uh, the cost to the taxpayers. And it's continuing to put all of us in jeopardy when you know that people on the terror watch list, uh, there's, there's just so much happening there. And it's become an epidemic and a crisis that they refuse to deal with. I don't understand why, actually. You know, I start to think, well, you know, people make this sort of cynical observation. Well, they want more voters. But you know, that could be part of it, but it's really just why wouldn't you want to help the situation that could pose a risk to Americans, criminals coming across the border? We've seen uh, private flights into New York State and all around the country. Uh, we see children human trafficked. We see fentanyl deaths uh, and people suffering from overdoses with this epidemic. 300 people a day die of, of fentanyl overdoses. So this is a huge problem. And I just don't understand why the administration and the Democrats don't want to seize this other than it looks like you're maybe looking like Donald Trump or somebody that wants to control our border, which if they could separate themselves from that notion and look at the American people who are suffering, I think we would see uh, a change or some kind of interest in coming to, to an agreement with us. Let's see what happens when we take back the House in January with a new term and see if the Democrats are willing to protect American citizens by coming to some kind of resolution and protecting our citizens uh, from the on, on rush of people at the border. Yeah. And, and there's so much that this administration has done that seems nonsensical to the American people. Another, another one is the student loan forgiveness. Um, the Supreme Court announced today that they are going to keep the injunction, keep that block in place uh, as they, they proceed forward with hearing arguments in February. Um, I, I added up some of the numbers, though. Um, you get $10,000, obviously, uh, unless you are a Pell Grant, and then you get an additional $10,000. This is for people who make less than $125,000 or less per year. Uh, there have been 26 million Americans who have applied for this. 16 million have already been approved. Even if we only count the 16 million who have already been approved, and if those are not Pell Grant scholars, so they only get the 10 grand, not the 20 grand, that's already $160 million. That's a price tag on the American people that they have to pay. That's their bill that we, we as taxpayers have to pay. And I keep seeing so much coming out of this administration that doesn't seem popular. This is another, another thing. You know, plumbers, non-college graduates, people who are in the vocations who do tremendous work, also actually in many cases make uh, higher salaries, are now going to be paying this. 
And people who go, and I'm, I'm all for college education. It was important to my parents and important to, to my family. But it's not the same as it was. And I think that people are starting to value solid work, uh, artisans, people who really put uh, you know, their, their, their effort into their work. There's a genius in everyone, everywhere, some, everyone somewhere. Not everyone has to go to college. And we're learning. We're going back to that. This sort of elitism of, oh, you've got to go to college. You've got to get your ticket punched. And you, it's the only way you're going to make it in, in, in society is really not true. And, and we're finding out that there, that it really the value of a college education, especially if you, you take a liberal arts education that doesn't focus on something, at least giving you good English and writing and communication still, skills, but maybe on something that isn't leading to a job. I think that people are finding out that they've, they've been sold a bill of goods that really isn't what's for them. And uh, not everybody's suited for college and uh, not everybody's suited to be uh, in the uh, vocational arts as well. But I'll tell you, uh, I, I would, there's days when I'd pay uh, as much as I possibly could to get a plumber just to show up at my house. And I've had to learn a lot of it on my own, but my plumber actually is so busy that he often calls me over the phone and sends me down to do the work myself. <laughs> so this is, uh, I mean, these are, these are skills and, and not to mention, you know, really uh, there's people that do welding and really important work in construction and, and building the things that, that, uh, that we have and must have for our communities. People that you don't need a college degree to go work and to build high technology uh, uh, machines. You don't need to, uh, a college degree to necessarily to do a lot of these things. You know, you can be trained. And, and honestly, I run a small manufacturing business. Our equipment is so much more high tech than it used to be. But we can teach anybody. We ha and and our, some of our best employees are actually people who are farmers. You know why? They have a tremendous work ethic. They work hard. Yeah. They fix things. They figure it out. They're creative. And that's really what 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 you need in order to be successful and to meet and in a job it isn't just to have your ticket punched at some expensive university yeah such a good although point. it's value it can be very valuable i mean i'm yeah. not it's i'm not saying but but why are we paying uh, if somebody chooses that road nobody's choosing to pay off the debt and the loans to people that haven't made that choice yeah such a great a great point and so many of the people you just mentioned uh, work in family-owned businesses and today you did something pretty big announced the creation of the first family business caucus tell us a little bit about what the inspiration is for that well obviously i run a family business uh, with my brother i have to kind of go into the uh, uh into a background situation now because I'm a member of Congress and, and the ethics rules require it. Uh, but I've been basically involved in our family business since I was 25. I started out, uh, you know, even I started out when I was 16, but I actually started getting some ownership of it uh, when I was 25. But it's so important because our family businesses are really the heart of our nation and the heart of our economy. Uh, most of the new jobs are created by small businesses. And when I talk about family business, they can be small, they can be large. Uh, but they have a unique quality to them because there's like our business, we have our, our employees are like family. Uh, they are so important to us uh, that we go out of our way to make sure that we give them the benefits. And we have done we did a lot of things that weren't mandatory uh, when we were a small business. For example, we were the first ones to get, have a 401k to provide medical uh, options, uh, to provide dental and optical and other things that we could give to our employees. Anything we could do to give them incentives to want to have a, a good life and to work with us. Now, a lot of those things are mandated. Unfortunately, they're very expensive. Yeah. Uh, family businesses also, you know, uh, are just a tremendous uh, place to work for many people. And they're great options. And I, we, we want to encourage people to continue those businesses and to make sure that they can thrive, that they're not going to be displaced uh, by some of these big entities, big box stores. But so many businesses, my grandfather started our business in 1946 with $100. Uh, so uh, and, and we're not huge. We're still small. 
uh, but we we provide a livelihood and, and a great uh, a great job for so many people in our communities and uh, and 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 very small rural area. A lot of, as I said, we have a lot of former uh, dairy farmers and people who work for us who are tremendous. And uh, I ran a newspaper, believe it or not. So I was a journo, yeah. you know, I was in the newspaper <laughs> industry. So I was the publisher and uh, really enjoyed doing that. It was really an interesting job. All right, folks, we're going to take a quick commercial break. We'll be right back after these messages. Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. What makes a life a good one? Is it the adventure you have? Or the friends you find along the way? Maybe it's pursuing your passion while striving to protect, defend, and save what you believe in every single day. So what makes a life a good one? In the Coast Guard, we think it's all of the above and more. But you'll have to find out for yourself. Visit GoCoastGuard.com to learn more. He's the author of one of my favorite books. It's called The Price of Principle. And of course, he's been a professor of law at Harvard University now for more than 50 years. He is our good friend, Alan Dershowitz. Alan, it's great to have you back on the show. Well, thank you. I'm in Israel enjoying um, the time here, meeting with the new government, and I'll, I'm sure I'll have some things to say on your show once I finish my trip here. That's very exciting. I've been watching your show, The Dirt Show from Israel. It's been very exciting. I want to take you to the San Francisco case. Everyone I talked to today was scratching their heads saying, how did America become a place where we're now using this color of your skin to determine someone's merit as a city employee? Uh, where, where's the law on this in San Francisco? Well, the law is very simple. This is not Harvard University, which is a private university. This is the state of California acting through the city of San Francisco, telling somebody that uh, he won't have his contract renewed solely because of the color of his skin. It's a clear violation of the Equal Protection Clause. And I don't know how the San Francisco lawyers think they're going to get away with this. This is one of the easiest racial discrimination cases ever. Wow. Wow. Alan, we, we have known for a while, we've seen things moving in this direction as far as diversity reigning supreme. You would think that within at least the law profession that that would not be the case. However, uh, I saw this story a few weeks ago that the ABA is no longer requiring the LSAT. Um, I'm, I'm pretty sure that merit and knowledge and LSAT scores should be a factor in, in the law field, but please tell me that this is, is wrong or maybe it's going to be reversed. Well, just ask yourself the question, do we want to abolish all tests for surgeons that are going to operate on you, for pilots who are going to fly you through storms? Why do we have a different rule for lawyers? Maybe lawyers aren't that important and anybody can be a lawyer. You don't have to pass a test. It's absolutely absurd because not only is the LSAT, law school aptitude test, being abolished, so are grades. And so today, how do you get a job? 
You get a job if you come from a fancy family or if you're the right race and background. Merit has absolutely nothing to do with it. And neither does diversity. Nobody wants real diversity. If people wanted diversity, they would be bringing into universities and into the city uh, people who are Christian fundamentalists, people who are from uh, the Ozarks, people who would bring real diversity. All people want is more of their own kind. That's what diversity means, nothing more. Diversity is a phony concept. All it means is whatever you are, you want more of. You want more liberals, you want more African-Americans, you want more whatever it is. It has nothing to do with diversity. Diversity is a cover for simple, we want more of us. Wow, what a powerful statement. Uh, I saw a survey, Alan, the other day that just knocked me off my chair. We wrote about it here at Justin News. This is a, reflected in the workforce, a new survey showing 26% of hiring managers say they are less likely to move forward with a Jewish applicant. And their top reason for having that bias is that the belief that Jews have too much power and control in America. How did we get to that point where anti-Semitism is actually built into the hiring mentality of our hiring managers? Well, first of all, it has a lot to do with this phony quest for diversity, because the people who want diversity, what they want is proportional representation. So if African-Americans are 13% of the population, they want 13% of the people to be hired being black. Well, Jews are only 2% of the population. And if a Jew meritoriously deserves a job, we're going to get back to the old European system of quotas, where everybody is, is picked or selected based on what proportion of the population they represent. And that's uh, just a, a road to racism and a road to discrimination. And it's not surprising that the Jews are the canary in the mine. They're often the first ones who are uh, uh, discriminated against. You know, it's the oldest discrimination in history. And it's no surprise that it manifests itself in hiring policies in the United States as well. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Persecution of Jews goes back into antiquity. I mean, it's literally biblical. Um, is this something that, that starts in college? Is this something that is fostered during higher education? Oh, yeah. Look, Berkeley, University of California Law School, has now banned, 14 clubs have banned Zionist speakers. And as the dean said, 90% of Jews are Zionists. And so they've basically banned Jews from speaking. I can't speak to a women's group at the law school in Berkeley about the Supreme Court decision on abortion, because I am a proud Zionist. I believe in Israel's right to exist. I don't agree with all of its policies any more than I agree with all the policies of the United States, but I'm not gonna renounce my Zionism. All Zionism means is that you believe that the Jewish people have the right to have a country like every other group of people have a country. And if you believe in that, you're a Zionist and you're banned. And Zionism has become a cover for anti-Semitism. So yes, it begins at colleges and universities, and it's promoted by many professors and, and deans and even presidents of universities who don't do anything about this because they're scared out of their wits about what's going to happen if they don't become uh, recognized as woke. And so woke culture is destroying America. 
I want to ask you, I know you've put a lot of thought into this and you've seen the, uh, the consequences of cancel culture. You write about it so eloquently in your book. But how do we begin to change the dialogue at the college level and the political level so that these very anti-American things, anti-Semitism, race-based hiring decisions, uh, that they begin to be shamed and pushed back out of the system the way they were in the 1960s civil rights movement? It's like we've gone back 60 years in progress. Yeah, no, we have. And it's not only anti-Semitism, it's anti-Catholicism, anti-fundamentalist Christianity. It's anti many, many, many things. It's anti people who have religious views that we might disagree with. Um, and and it, it go, does go back. It goes back to McCarthyism. Uh, and I would have hoped I lived through McCarthyism in college. I was very anti-communist myself, but I defended the rights of speakers to speak about views that I didn't agree with. Today, the left is saying, no, 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 we know the truth. Why do we need dissenting views? Why do we need due process? We know who's guilty. We know who's innocent. It is such an uprooting of 200 years of constitutional law. Our constitution is the oldest surviving written constitution in the history of humankind. And people on the left today saying, no, it was written by slave owners. It's patriarchal. No, we don't really need free speech or due process. That's what our kids are learning today in college. And these kids 10 years from now will be members of Congress and members of the Senate and editors of the New York Times and, and chief uh, offices of major corporations. So I worry for the future of America based on what college students are being taught today. All right, folks, we're going to take a quick commercial break. We'll be right back after these messages. I normally find bras to be so uncomfortable and constricting, but Skims has changed that. You know I love Skims underwear, so I finally tried their bras, and Skims has delivered again. Skims bras are worth the hype for the amazing shape and support they give, but what I wasn't expecting was how comfortable they are, too. I've tried so many bras in the past, and the main issue that I have is that they weren't supportive enough, to the point where they felt slouchy. I love my Skims wireless form bra because it's so comfortable and supportive. The older I get, the more I care about actually being comfortable in what I wear every day. And with my wireless form bra, I no longer have to sacrifice my comfort for the support I need. Shop Skims bras at skims.com, now available in 62 sizes, 30A to 46H. Plus, get free shipping on all orders over $75. If you haven't yet, be sure to let them know we sent you. After you place your order, select Podcast in the survey and select our show in the drop-down menu that follows. Our next guest is a mother who will certainly leave behind a legacy that her children and many other hardworking Americans can be proud of. Here to talk about her latest book, Levi's Unbuttoned, The Woke Mob Took My Job But Gave Me My Voice, is the former Levi's, Levi Brands president, Jennifer Say. Jennifer, um, you have an incredible story. Thank you for being here with us today. Thank you both for having me. I'm, I'm excited to be here. Yeah, I, when I read a piece that you wrote earlier this year, I, I loved reading about your time as a gymnast and then how that turned into corporate America and, and taking the position that you did at Levi's. A lot of folks might not know your story yet, but I think it's important that they do. Can you give them just kind of a, I know it's, it, you, I know you can't encapsulate everything over the course of a few minutes, but just a quick synopsis. Well, I'll give you the shortest version I can. Um, I worked at Levi's for close to 23 years. Um, I started as an entry-level marketing assistant and worked my way all the way up to brand president and was in line to be CEO. Um, I was a well-liked 
beloved employee, some might say. Um, but in March 2020, I was very outspoken about public school closures in San Francisco and across the country. And I continued to be outspoken about it. My children go to public school. Uh, but I wasn't just speaking on behalf of my children. I was speaking on behalf of the 50 million public school students in San Francisco, the majority of which are low income uh, and were being denied an education. And I was told repeatedly throughout, you know, the course of my final two years that I needed to stop. I shouldn't say these things. I was dangerous. Um, it was even acknowledged at certain points uh, by some of my peers that they agreed with me, but I shouldn't say them anyway. And that just was not okay with me. Um, meanwhile, my peers were all sending their kids back to in-person private school. So, you know, they were silent on the matter of public school children. Um, and not only, not only silent, but telling me I needed to be as well. And I, I didn't heed their warnings. And in January of 2022, I was told there won't be a place for me in the company anymore. And rather than accept hush money, um, severance that would come with a non-disclosure agreement. I quit so that I could write this book and come and talk to you. Well, we are sure glad that you wrote this book. And one of the things that you walk away from the great work that you did here is this is an incredible hypocrisy because those who justify the actions against you and others say they're fighting for social justice. But in fact, there's all this hypocrisy. You pointed out the executives just took their kids, put them in private school and say, well, don't worry about the public school kids. Uh, the level of hypocrisy that your, your book brings out in this sort of corporate movement is really stunning. Do you think the people in the midst of this realize how hypocritical they look to everyday Americans? No, I, I, they, they honestly don't or they wouldn't do it. I right. mean, I, you know, there's two things going on with what I call woke capitalism and go into in some detail in the, in the book. Um, it is an attempt and, you know, this is cynical, but it's an attempt to profit off of the activism of Gen Z and millennials that, you know, that's really that's really what it is. Um, it also is an attempt. It's sort of cloaks these executives in this altruistic stance to shield them from scrutiny. And we've heard that directly from Sam Bankman-Fried. Um, and it continues to work for him. He's speaking today on the stage at the New York Times Deal Book Summit. Meanwhile, I'm considered unemployable because I spoke up on behalf of children. But he cloaked himself in this, you know, woke pose, and he gave all kinds of money to liberal causes. And Despite the fact that he's stolen billions of dollars, he's still invited to speak on the stage. How does that make sense? And I think, you know, to answer your question, do they, it, these executives convince themselves they are altruists. And so they are very convincing to the public. But make no mistake, it's all about making money. That's all it's ever been about in a business. Um, and I, that's okay. It's capitalism. Do it fairly, make a great product, market it honestly. Um, but let's not pretend you're saving the world. Yeah, great point. And, and Jennifer, we have we have a lot of political leaders on the show, but we also have a lot of business leaders on this show. And and to see the wokeism of corporate America has been something that I think a lot of Americans are very concerned about. And you talked about in your book uh, someone who was a brand ambassador, an influencer for Levi's, who was just proud to be Jewish. Someone who loved Israel. They were from Israel. And they talked about it on their social media. I think it was Instagram. Um, and, and this apparently raised red flags with someone in the finance department. I don't know why someone in finance is that concerned about it. But w was that the first sign to you, the first indication that Levi's, this, this truly American, rugged American brand was going that direction? 
Um, it was not the first sign because by the time that happened, I was a year in to my open schools advocacy and I was a year in to being cajoled and urged to stop talking. And there had been several other incidents around that same time um, that we got the complaint about the Israeli fashion blogger. There, the other, you know, we got another other complaints about a young woman who was, her name is Alexi McCammon. She was appointed to be the editor in chief of Teen Vogue. It came out that she had made some dumb statements when she was a teenager on social media. She'd apologized. She hadn't hidden any of it. She'd apologized. And, you know, when the media struck and started to tout these you know, unfortunate statements that she'd apologized for when she was 16, advertisers pulled their dollars unless Teen Vogue fired this woman. My team pulled dollars without my knowledge. You know, I had a big team, a thousand people. I didn't know everything that happened. And when I found out, I was furious. You know, why are we doing this? This is a young woman. It's a young black woman. Incredibly qualified. She's apologized. She's modeled that uh, behavior of apology, which we should support. Um, and yet we went ahead and pulled those dollars. So it was by no means, you know, the story that you just alluded to, the Israeli fashion blogger. It was by no means the first or the last. It was just relentless every day from employees. Don't work with this person. Don't work with this person. Cancel this person. It just was on and on and on. So dysfunctional. Uh, we got about 45 seconds left. I want to ask, uh, you see, uh, what do you see in the Disney decision to bring Bob Iger back, the sudden uh, course correction that's been made there? Do you think the marketplace may have woken up some of these woke companies? I mean, I think it's first and foremost about business performance. You know, the, the stock price has plummeted, I think, 40% yeah. on the year. Um, and the man who's leading the company is primarily in the headlines about a battle with Ron DeSantis, a very popular governor who just won by 20 points. You're like, what is he doing? Right. Focus on the business. Yeah. So I think yeah. it's first and foremost about that. But I think the woke battles he was fighting were a distraction from the business and probably impacted performance. All right, folks, that wraps up the Sunday edition. I hope you have a blessed rest of your weekend. Now, one reminder, a lot of people say, hey, John, do you have an app at the Just the News? And the answer is we sure do. And not only do we have an app, it's in the Apple Store. It's also in the Android Store. It allows you to take the Just the News experience and go in three different ways. You can watch our videos and television shows. You can listen to this podcast and many others like it, like Victor Davis Hanson, or you can read the stories that we do a day, 50, 60, 70 stories a day of the breaking news, investigative reporting, accountability reporting. Go to the iOS app store or the Android store today. Download the Just the News app. Read, watch, listen. Three great ways to experience the Just the News content and to join the Just the News family. And if you really want to get involved with the family and say, hey, I want to support your investigative reporting, John Solomon. I want to support the great reporters and the producers and the bookers and everybody that works to make the Just the News experience possible. You can do something really inexpensive that makes a big difference. All you got to do is join the Just the News VIP club. That's right. What do you get for the VIP club? First off, ad-free experience on the website and on your newsletters. No ads, no dancing videos, no autoplay videos. An ad-free experience on Just the News 24-7. Plus, once a month, you get to hang out with me at justthenews.com. We have a town hall. I sit and answer your questions for an hour. We talk about issues you care about. We cover topics that the other media aren't covering. It's an incredible experience to join the family 
the immediate family of the Just the News team. Great opportunity. Sometimes we bring in our reporters. It's always a delightful time. If you want to get involved in that, go to justthenews.com slash subscribe. Justthenews.com slash subscribe. Quick way to get into the club. It's $4.99 a month, $44.99 a year. Great way to support our journalism, make a difference, and get an enormous benefit yourself. So go check it out today. All right, folks, that wraps up the Sunday edition of John Solomon Reports, the podcast from Just the News. God bless you for listening. Have a great rest of the week, and we'll be back Monday with regular programming. And until then, if you got a news fix or hankering for one, Go to justthenews.com. We've got you covered 24-7 with the breaking news and, of course, all of our exclusive investigative and enterprise reporting. Good night, folks. Talk to you soon. Hey there, it's Amanda Head, and I am thrilled to introduce to you my new exciting podcast, Furthermore, with Amanda Head, broadcasting weekly from sunny Los Angeles, California, and brought to you by the dynamic Just the News Podcast Network. On this fresh and engaging podcast, I delve into the latest news with a little bit of a twist, exploring the furthermore of every story. But this isn't your typical run-of-the-mill news commentary or politically charged program. I interview a diverse range of guests, including business leaders, entertainers, musicians, educators, experts, politicians, and many influential figures from both the United States and around the world. So why not make your Mondays, Wednesdays, and Fridays a little more interesting? Tune in on your preferred podcast platform and discover furthermore with Amanda Head on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. And don't forget to hit that follow or subscribe button and be sure to download the latest episodes. I can't wait to have you join me on this exciting journey. At Just the News, we break the stories others in the media ignore or are too afraid to tell. We did it on Russia collusion, Hunter Biden, and the security and intelligence failures that preceded January 6th. Our stories have real impact and reach because we stick to the facts. I'm John Solomon. You can help me expand our honest, unvarnished, and unbiased reporting by becoming a premium member at Just the News. You'll get an ad-free experience and exclusive member-only access to events, and you'll be helping us dig up more truth. Join today at justthenews.com slash subscribe.